You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 75 of Here for the Truth. The guest that we have with us today needs absolutely no introduction. We have David Ike in the house. David, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. No problem. Pleasure. Man, the first question I want to ask you is really a question that probably no other guest that's ever been on this show has been more qualified to answer. And it, it's a question that's actually based on what this podcast is curated about. So what does it mean to be here for the truth? What does it mean to be here for the truth? What does it mean to live for the truth, to exist for the truth? Well, it's, it's something that, um, so I can only give my personal experience, but once you realize what's going on in the world, um, that's the end of it, really. Um, this is why I can't understand how many people that I've uh, come across in the last, what, 32 years uh, who have entered this arena. Uh, they have seen some of what's going on. Yeah. They've talked about some of what's going on. And then they've disappeared. Uh, I don't understand that because uh, what we're looking at is something that uh, not only we have to live with, but our children and grandchildren have to live with um, even more. And so there's nothing more important in life, in my opinion anyway, than um, uncovering what's going on, communicating it, and making sure that it doesn't reach its final goal, which is now heading for. Um, very fast. And you start to realize where the real, if you like, truth lies and where the real bottom line of all this really is. And that's in the nature of reality. You know, we, we live in two worlds while appearing to live in one. Um, one world is the world of the population. Uh, which is strictly limited in the information, the knowledge it's allowed to have, unless it goes in search of it. Um, this is what searching for, quote, the truth is really all about. It's searching for what we are being denied knowing as a matter of course, which in a free world, that wouldn't be the case. We would be freely discussing these things and knowing these things. So the population world uh, is quote, informed, actually misinformed, the, uh, the word of the moment, uh, through the education system, which has been set up by the, uh, the authorities and that which is behind authority, through the media owned by the same people, and through politicians and political parties that are ultimately owned by the same people. And then you've got this other world, which is the world of what I call the global cult, which is a network of um, interlocking secret societies with a central mission control that's actually driving the direction of the world. And what this secret society network is all about, of course, is keeping secrets. Well, who from? Well, from the population. And in fact, the, the cult um, structure and the secret society structure is fiercely compartmentalized. So the inner core of this cult is keeping the truth even from much of its own uh, structure. 
And the two things they want to keep from us, which are passed over through the upper levels of the secret society network, generation after generation, going way, way back, is A, where the world is being taken. Because if you don't know where, where the world is being taken, then all the events that happen every day are random to you. They have no uh, connection. They have no uh, way that they all are moving in the same direction. Not in your mind anyway. They're just random. Uh, so once you know where we're being taken, know the outcome and you'll see the journey, suddenly the random events become, ah, oh, see what they're doing now. This is what they're doing now. This is why they're doing this. And, of course, in the, the last two and a half years, as a result of the extreme nature of it, enormously more people have now broken through that and started to see what the outcome is planned to be, and thus they're now seeing that the random is not random at all, but it's coldly calculated. So the, the, the cult is hoarding that knowledge as best it can, and in terms of the mass of the population, is still hoarding it. That mass of the population doesn't make the choice to go and look. Uh, and, and that's where the world is being taken. But but there's an even more important level of knowledge suppression, and that's the nature of reality itself. It's the knowledge that um, our perceptions become our experience reality. Thus, if they can control our perception, they will dictate our experience reality. And that is uh, the key area of understanding they want to keep from the population. They want the population to believe in things like good luck and bad luck and uh, all these um, uh, random again things. It's random. It's totally random. There's no coordination. There's nothing making it happen. It's just random. But in fact, what you perceive, you believe, and what you believe you experience, there is a very clear um, process as one leads to the other. So if you, for instance, um, control the perception of someone, you're dictating their behavior because we behave as we do because we perceive as we do. People went meekly under house arrest in the spring of 2020 because they believed, perceived there was a deadly virus that going under house arrest was the, the, the way to protect them from it. Their perception became their behavior, and thus their behavior became their experience, being locked down for weeks, months on end. Other people um, who have more self-respect, and that's what it is in the end, said, hold on a minute. If, if, if I'm going to do this, I want to know that there's a reason to do it, and I'm not being lied to, given the fact that the whole history of authority going way back into ancient times is that it bloody lies to us. So I'm going to look at it. And they looked at it and they found actually it made no sense whatsoever and they were being lied to. So they had a different perception. So thus they had a different uh, behavior and a different experience. And, and it's this connection between perception and behavior and experience that they want to keep from us. Because then they, um, they uh, know that if they control our perception, they dictate our behavior and our experience, while the population in general thinks that that behavior and experience is just random and um, there's nothing generating it, it just happens. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much, David. 
I'm really curious too, because you've been speaking about this for decades. And uh, I remember seeing a video that you made, I think it was over a decade, decade ago that, that pretty much explained exactly what happened in the last two years. But I'm so curious to hear a little bit about your story too. Like, like what was your inspiration to get into all this that like brought you down these rabbit holes of, of seeking truth and expressing truth? Well, that, that goes into some, uh, into some uh, deeper areas, um, which I'm very happy to go into. Um, uh, it's not a short story, but I'll try to keep it so. It's all good. I, um, I've always been questioning of authority, even when I was a kid. Um, I didn't uh, believe what teachers told me because teachers told me. I wanted to know why they told me and what the basis background was to what they told me. How do you know that? So I've always been like that. And I've always been very wary of authority. Uh, from the time I was a kid, if you asked me to do something and you made a, a, a good case for why I should do it, then I would do it. No problem. Open door, me. But you tell me to do something just because you tell me and I'm your worst nightmare. So that, that was ingrained in me from the earliest uh, age. And uh, I'd always... Um, rejected what my father called bricks and mortar religion not spirituality but the bricks and mortar religion as he called it um because he had some bad experiences uh, with that in italy during the second world war uh with the um he always remembered the uh the poverty in naples um while immensely rich churches in naples were still asking the poor for donations to the church um so he was very kind of anti-religion um and but he threw spirituality out with it like so baby and bathwater went the same i never did i i believe that there was there is something more to know about life uh and i'd also rejected from a very early age the idea that this world is all there is the scientific uh materialist scientific version this world is all there is and life's a bitch and then you die and it's all a cosmic accident i rejected that completely but i never really um looked at um, the alternatives. So I was getting on with my life. I was a professional footballer. I went on to be a, a, a journalist and a, a mainstream journalist. Um, I'm sorry, but it was, um, it was an experience. <laughs> and then, and then um, to, um, to become uh, a television presenter with the BBC, I become a national spokesman for the Green Party, which has been very, very useful to me, uh, given the way the whole green thing's been used to um, advance tyranny now. Um, I never really thought about it. And, and then I was, uh, I was very much losing interest in television and I was losing interest in the Green Party, really, because I saw politics for what it was, a waste of space. And while they say there's um, a different colour on the door or the rosette, actually the modus operandi is the same. So I was rejecting all of it. And in that period, um, some very strange things started to happen to me. Like uh, if I was in a room alone, it was like I wasn't alone. This started in early 1989, and it went on and on, getting more and more powerful and more and more tangible right into the spring of um, 1990. Um, and uh, it got to the point where I'm working for the BBC in March 1990, and I'm in a hotel called the Kensington Hilton, just across from the television centre in London, BBC. And uh, this presence in uh, the room and I was alone 
was so tangible, I actually said out into the room, you know, would you please contact me because you're driving me up the wall. If you're there, please contact me because you're driving me up the wall. And then a few days later, um, I was with my son, Gareth, um, who was a little boy then, uh, in, um, in a newsagent shop just down the road from where I'm sitting now. And uh, I, I said to him, he's looking at some books. I said to him, come on, Gaz, we'll go and get some lunch. And as I turned to, to, to move, my feet were like stuck to the ground. It's like magnets were pulling them to the ground and, and the atmosphere around me changed. Um, I, I obviously had no idea at the time what was going on, but that, that was an electromagnetic field that, that, that had, uh, um, if you like, descended around me. And that's why I felt the atmosphere change. And what I heard was, um, go and look at the books on the far side. It wasn't a voice. It was like a very strong thought form, which obviously wasn't generated by me. I'm bewildered what's going on. And over the far side, I knew this shop very well, were, were um, romantic novels for tourists because it's a seaside place. Uh, and so I, you know, my immediate reaction is, what the hell do I want to see the books over there for? So, But I, I walked across in bewilderment, and in among the romantic novels that were always there, was this book with a woman's face on the front called Mind to Mind. And I picked it up because it was different to all the rest. And I turned it over and read the blurb and I saw the word psychic. This is a biography of a, by a psychic called Betty Shine. Um, and I, um, I, I read the blurb, I saw psychic, and immediately I thought, well, I wonder if she would pick up what I've been feeling around me for the last year. So I contacted her. Read the book in 24 hours, found it very interesting, contacted her, went to see her. And I went to see her four times. Um, and the first time we had a nice chat. Uh, and then the second time I went, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on this like medical type bench. Because what I said to her, because I didn't want to give her any clues of what was happening. I said, I've got arthritis, which I had. And maybe your hands on healing, which she also did, would help. Um, but my real motivation was, I wonder if she'll pick up what the hell's been going on around me for the last year. So I, I, I'm sitting there. She's doing some hands-on uh, on me, left knee. And I felt like a spider's web on my face. And again, I had no idea at the time, but that was an electromagnetic field. And I read in her book um, that sometimes when other levels of reality are trying to lock into you, you sometimes feel like a spider's web on your face because it's an electromagnetic communication that's going on. So that communication is locks in and you feel it. Like, well, it's like the same thing when you're in an excited crowd in a sporting event, the hairs stand on the back of your neck. That's, an, that's the electromagnetic uh, uh, energy given off by the excitement of the crowd. Uh, also, you can do it when you get great, you know, states of fear if you go into a very uh, unpleasant place. Uh, so I didn't say anything to her uh, when this thing happened, uh, but I did think to myself, my God, this, this was in her book. And then about uh, 15 seconds later or something, she, she launches her head back and she said, my God, this is powerful. I've got to close my eyes for this one. And she goes on then to tell me that um, she's locking into some other dimensional entity, whatever you want to call it. And um, is, they're asking her to talk, to communicate with me. And uh, she said, you're going to go out on a world stage and reveal great secrets. Uh, one man cannot change the world, but one man can communicate the message that can change the world. Um, that um, you will face enormous opposition, but uh, we, quote, will always be there to protect you. 
and lots of other things. And, and every single one of the things that I heard, I was told that day and a week later when I went again, um, was uh, as, as happened or is happening. And from the moment, what, one of the things that I was told is that we're going to put, uh, we're going to lead you to knowledge and we're going to put knowledge directly in your mind. And you're going to think, you're going to say things and wonder where they came from. And from my, the time I left that uh, her home, uh, that is exactly what has happened. Um, I've been led in the most synchronistic way to information, people, books, documents, um, personal experiences that have been like handing me puzzle pieces in a, uh, in, in a jigsaw puzzle. And often, overwhelmingly, they've been in the right order to put them into the in, into where they go uh, the, the quickest and to realize where they go. And um, for the first two or three years, um, maybe two years, what would happen is that I'd be led to knowledge and from that knowledge, I would conclude what was going on. And then after about two years or so, it flipped and it stayed like that ever since, that I would somehow know what was going on and, and then um, the names, dates, places, five cents information would then come to support the initial conclusion. So we will put um, knowledge in his mind and he'll wonder where it came from. Uh, and it's a, a process uh, now after 32 years that I've got really, really used to uh, because it's, it's a very clear sequence. Um, another subject will enter my life, and suddenly, information about that subject is coming from all angles, and that is the uh, the experience I've had again and again and again. I had it with, uh, first of all, there's a network that's running the world, and it's not it's not the people you see. I had it with, uh, and that network is connected to a non-human race. Uh, I had it with, uh, the world is an illusion. It, there is no physicality. Uh, and uh, it's all an, an expression of consciousness mind uh, and and then into the the whole um if if they can control your perception they can control your your um, behavior they control your experience and that all that sequence all these things have, have come in and there's a an, i've got a book that's uh, just actually off the printers now called the trap um which is um, going to come out in a week or so or maybe about two three weeks or so uh, and that takes it into another level. It takes it into other other realities to uh, understand what the heck is happening in this one. Um, and uh, so uh, th this is how it's happened, and it, and it goes on happening. And uh, it's the even now, after all this time, you you pinch yourself at the synchronicity of um, of of what 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 happens in your life. You know, you think, well, what's the freaking chances of that ever happening? But it's almost it's become almost commonplace, you know, in my life as it is, of course, in many other lives as well. Wow. Thank you so much. That's an incredible story. I want to ask you this question. How do, how do you maintain stamina on the path? You know, many people enter this journey. And as you mentioned earlier, they get waylaid, they come and they go. But in, in your experience, how does one continue on 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 that journey well first of all i'm a stubborn bastard i mean that that, <laughs> that, that that really does help 
because it means that you know you're you're like the, the the capstone in an arch. The more pressure you put on it, the stronger it bloody gets. And the, the more they try to storm me, the more determined I am not to be stopped. So uh, that that's a fundamental uh, foundation part of it. But also, it's like I said earlier. You know, once you realise what's happening in the world and where it's planned to go, then I do not understand how anyone can walk away from it. You know, you know, if, you know, if there's one last person standing, it will be me. I won't be. I won't be the last person. There's lots and lots of people now. But if if it came to that, then I would be the last man standing, because you know I'm not going to give up on um, on all the uh, all the people that are going to suffer the consequences of where this is going. I'm not going to do it. And uh, to the to the day I leave this this world, I'll still be doing it. And in terms of stamina, you know, again, it's a deep thing. I go into it in this book, but I've, and I've gone into some of it in other books. Um, the bottom line of human control is to disconnect what I'll call five-sense body-mind, that which uh, decodes and experiences this world of, a, of apparent, apparent apartness and physicality. from expanded levels of awareness that are not subject to the manipulations and programming of this reality. Thus, um, if you, uh, for instance, uh, if you choose this uh, use this analogy, um, if you have a computer and you have an operator, you've got everything you need. The operator's got the big picture and is communicating with the computer, and the computer is responding to the communication. And the computer is responding to someone with the bigger picture. But when what they call a virus takes over a computer, uh, it takes control of the operating system, symbolic of body-mind, five-sense body-mind. And what happens when a computer virus really gets a grip you can bash the keys and bash the mouse, and nothing happens because now the operating system is being controlled by this computer virus, uh, which is calling the shots. And suddenly, mayhem takes place. Um, there's no coordination to it, it's just a, a, ma a mess. You know, pages will come up and go up, and, and, and all amazing, kind of ridiculous, chaotic things can go on because the operating system has literally been possessed by this, quote, computer virus, which there are legions now, of course. Um, and that's what basically has been happening to the human race. This is why, you know, when you, you have these two worlds, and this other world, this secret society world, has the knowledge of how it works, it can, in effect, put a computer virus um, in uh, there, which disconnects uh, incarnate consciousness, five sense body mind, from uh, expanded levels of consciousness. And once it does that, uh, the person is not filtering five sense knowledge from an expanded point of view. It's not seeing the panorama as well as the, the micro. It's only seeing the micro because it's disconnected from the panorama, the expanded awareness with the bigger picture.
And therefore, um, its perception of reality is totally and utterly skewed. Once the computer virus takes over the computer, the computer's sense of reality is totally skewed. It doesn't operate as it should anymore. It's just a mess, chaos, uh, chaotic mess. And so the idea is to disconnect five sense body mind from expanded levels of awareness so they don't influence us in any way or enter the perception process. And once you've isolated body mind, you then program its perception through the education system, the media, et cetera, et cetera, all the forms of communication of um, uh, um, alleged communication. And therefore, you are isolating and then you are programming. And when, when you uh, see people like that, they have no perception um, other than the perception they're given. So you will have come across this very clearly during the COVID era, where people would say to you, I'll tell you what I think's going on. And what will then spew forth is the official story word for word. So, there, but there's no unique processing of information to reach your own conclusion. Your conclusion comes um, fully packaged through the mainstream media and all the other sources of authority controlled, cult controlled communication. And so what we call awakening, and my God, that's going on on a scale I've never seen before now, which is fantastic. But what we call awakening is simply awakening from the five sense body mind prison perceptual prison and reconnecting with expanded levels of our own consciousness not some bloke on a spaceship our own uh, 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 levels of our own consciousness and once you make that reconnection that's what it is it's a reawakening rather than just an awakening then suddenly you are processing information from a from an expanded state of awareness rather than a myopic state and you see things differently Suddenly, see, if you look at the five senses, um, what they do is they, they decode a tiny band of frequency. And anything beyond it, they, 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 they cannot uh, access it. it visually, uh, beyond a tiny band of frequency called visible light, we can't see anything. The entirety of infinity is in the same space that we're, and I'm sitting in now. but I can only see part of it because that's what my five senses, my visual senses, uh, are able to um, to decode. And thus, I look around this room and I see form, what we call things, and that's the frequency band that, that my visual senses can decode, what we call form. So I'm seeing a, a couple of lights, a window, a computer, a cabinet, whatever, and in between them, is empty space. There isn't empty space, but to my senses, there's empty space. So the five senses are constantly feeding to us a sense of a world in which everything is apart from everything else and everything is separated from everything else. So all you can see, in effect, is dots. You can't see how the dots connect because what the dots connect is this energetic. Uh, field of consciousness awareness that is out of the, the frequency range of, of, of visible uh, our visible senses. So when you start to awaken and reconnect 
with expanded levels of consciousness, suddenly those levels, you might not visually be able to see them, but in terms of your knowing, your awareness, your feelings, your insight, you suddenly become aware of things that you weren't aware of before. And you start to see, because your awareness is expanding deeper and deeper into the field, this field that the visual senses can't see, you are able then to see how things connect. Like I say, you may not be able to visually see how they connect because you're working through a body that's not programmed to do that. But in terms of your insight, your knowing, your, 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 on the level of your consciousness, you become aware of how everything connects. Uh, and suddenly you see the world in a completely different way. Now you see actually the reason that Silicon Valley is defending the ludicrous narratives of the World Health Organization is actually because they're owned by the same people, right? So uh, the, the world opens up. Uh, in short, if you're only in five sense perceptual mode, you will never, ever see how the dots connect because you're in a realm that can see only dots. So this, um, the awakening of consciousness is not just some trite kind of, you know, theme. It's actually fundamental to us uh, dealing with this because what we're doing is awakening from the perceptual prison cell that we've been systematically put in. It's amazing. Hey, David, did you, you know, like 10 years ago, uh, pre-COVID, pre-everything, like you talked earlier about this, this awakening that you're seeing. Did you expect it to happen on any timeline? Did you see it happening? Like, what, what was your idea of it? Well, um, in 1990, I'm, I started the conscious awakening of myself. Um, the Betty Shine thing was in early 1990, and then through 1990, it gathered. And in 1991, the February of 1991, it just exploded on a mound in Peru. Um, and um, but in those, uh, after I'd seen Betty Shine, and you know, it's worth mentioning that until I met her for those four visits, I'd never met a psychic in my life. I, I did, my life just hadn't taken me there. But once I'd seen her. Um, if you wanted to meet a professional psychic, you should have just followed me. And she was the only one I chose to go to, uh, made the decision to go to. The, the others were just synchronistically, I would come across them. Like, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a professional psychic. Oh, my God, not another one, you know. And, and, and they were starting to do, to, to, as, I, as I met them, they were starting to, to, to give me information. And one of one of them specifically, but there were others along the same theme. This is 1990, the summer of 1990. Said, well, uh, well, I've been asked to tell you that um, there's a vibrational change coming, and it's going to wake humanity up from its coma, and it will have two main effects. Um, one, um, it will have that awakening um, to, um, to the fact that the world life is not what people think it is. And the other one is that it, we, I mean, it, was, it was described like, a, like a, that this vibrational change would be like a spiritual alarm clock. People would sort of start getting either you know, fast awake or slowly awake um, to 
a very different sense of reality and sense of self. And the other thing it said was that uh, all that had been hidden from us was going to be revealed. All that had been hidden would be put on public display. It, and, and it was like this, this energy was going to bring to the surface all that had been hidden from us. Now, in 1990, uh, when I was told that, there was no evidence of that whatsoever, none. But if you look at it now, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we see events, uh, and quite understandably, so do I, in a, in a negative way that there's these unpleasant things are happening, these uh, tyrannical things are happening. But at the same time, what, what is it doing? It's bringing to the surface all that's been hidden. This is happening. It's just as I was told it, was, it would happen. It's happening. So who the hell would have heard of the World Economic Forum before the COVID era? Only dedicated researchers. But now, you, you know, how many people know about Klaus Schwab? Bill Gates and all these people and what their game is. Enormous, phenomenal numbers of people. Not the majority, of course not, but compared with before, phenomenal. So this, I call it the time of the great revealing. And this is happening on so many levels. And what I, I, I dubbed this vibrational change, truth vibrations, the truth vibrations. Uh, that was the name of the first book I ever writ, uh, wrote after um, the uh, my own awakening in 1990 and my visit to Bessie Shine, at, you know, in early uh, in early um, 1991, Truth Vibrations came out, and I called it Truth Vibrations because all that had been hidden would be brought to public attention. Um, the truth would be revealed, uh, and so when. Um, when I see you know, current events, uh, I, I, I I see the 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 truth of um, of that and and how it's uh, it, it's uh, really happening. And like I say, it's happening on multiple levels. So you've got the information coming to the surface of the the bigger picture. Um, I mean, I mean, I saw an interview with a bloody billionaire the other day, a billionaire bloody oil bloke and refiner and food magnate, and he was saying, you know. There's, someone wants to destroy America. This is this is not happening by accident. Someone's, this is going. This is coordinated. What's happening here with the inflation? And I thought, bloody hell! If you've got it, mate, uh, then um, then uh, how many others have got it now? And, and they have. And it's because of this process of, of awakening, which on the surface seems very challenging. It bloody is, but it's also bringing to the surface what had been hidden. And and on a personal level, I don't know if you've come across this. I don't know. I've come across more and more people who've experienced this. How people they may be known for a long time and thought they knew um, are suddenly revealing themselves to be very different to what they thought they, they were before. I mean, I, then a lot of people have said that. I, I know during the COVID era, I never thought that he would have the jab and all that stuff. But um, it's another part of this great revealing is that people are starting to more and more reveal themselves. Yeah. And maybe um, on one level, they, they weren't the people you thought they were from a negative point of view. And, and on, on the other side, well, maybe people I thought, I, you know, I didn't really care much about. But my God, they've shown themselves in this situation to be, you know, 
very different to what I thought they were. But it's like the real self is being put on public display. And I think we're going to see this um, expand and expand and expand now as, as the months and years go forward. Yeah, I, I definitely see that and feel that. Uh, I agree. There's a great expose happening on all levels. On that note, I want to ask you a particular question. Over the last, I guess, four years, there was the whole phenom of the Q Trump disclosure, quote unquote, so to speak. What do you think was the intention behind that? And what were your thoughts on what was really going on in that regard? Well, you know, I've, um, I guess I've upset a lot of Trump supporters um, uh, in America, particularly, but other parts of the world over the years, because um, I, I don't buy into it, really. Uh, I was saying during his election campaign that in 2016, uh, when he was running for president, that the, the, the guy was a, was a front man playing a particular role. How much he knows that, well, I'm open to debate on that, but that's what he was doing, I, in my view. Uh, and, you know, I, I have this, this, this phrase, and it's so important, I think, don't judge from people by their words, but by their actions. Not why, what they say they stand for, but what they actually do. That tells you who the person is, not the words. They're easy. Um, and the plan was to divide America, completely divide America down the middle. And so um, if you uh, read um, a book by a guy called Saul Alinsky, who was a, uh, a cult operative and um, a communist, um, he's a bit of a hero of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he wrote a book called Rules for Radicals. And it was a guide to how you transform a democratic society, if you want to call it that, to a, a, a tyrannical communist society. And one of the ways, he said, is don't target faceless bureaucrats, uh, bureaucracies, and corporations. Pick one person and focus everything, all blame on that one person, which is an expression of the Nazi propaganda technique of keep your propaganda simple. Um, and they brought Trump through. And that's another thing, you know, when Trump started running for president in the um, early part of that year. Um, I, I, I watched that and, and I thought, the idea that this guy's a maverick is ridiculous because you look at his background, his history and who he's connected to, he's no maverick. But I'll, I'll watch and I'll see what happens. And it, it was about 16, well, the best part of 20 actually, other candidates that started out to get the Republican nomination. And we were told through the propaganda that the Republican Party didn't want him and um, they didn't want him to stand for president on their behalf. But he won. And on the, at the same time, you had the WikiLeaks document email revelations that showed that the Democratic Party hierarchy was systematically um, making sure that Hillary Clinton was their candidate 
and that Bernie Sanders would not be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if the Republican Party hierarchy didn't want Trump, then they could have done the same. There were, you know, uh, the, the media could have, um, because the media were very much against him, of course, once he got office. But before that, especially in the early days, he, he was given enormous amounts of, of, of free publicity for his campaign, which wasn't uh, um, detrimental to him in, the, in that period. So once he won the nomination, I thought, well, he's the chosen one here. This, this, this guy's going to come through here. Uh, and, and, and he did. And he basically was used to completely divide America. And what he did, what, what, what his presence did and the, the, the propaganda around him did was harness the entirety of what they call the left. And I mean what they call the left, because the woke is not left, it's tyrannical, it's far right. But what they call the left, the left liberals, I love the misuse of the liberal word with wokers, but um, <laughs> to, to focus all their attention on, on, on Trump and, and this division. And then there was the Trump supporters. And the Trump supporters are basically what I call pushbackers. I may not agree with everything they think or all that stuff, but they are they are the pushbackers. They're the ones that don't want the woke agenda, that don't want the World Economic Forum agenda, the cult agenda. They don't want it. So they are now um, in one camp and all the, the opposite mentalities in another camp. America is massively divided. That's exactly what was, was planned. And then through the, um, the Trump years, um, very little of what he said was going to happen, actually, he was going to do actually happened. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't see how you can be a, a, a radical and get in bed with Saudi Arabia. I mean, what? But uh, but he did. And and in many ways, he and he, he of course, was the, the front man for the, the rollout of the fake vaccine. And... Um, it, it, even his own side were booing him at uh, rallies when he um, said that they should have the fake vaccine. Uh, and and so again, judge people by their actions, not their words. And so Trump became a symbol of uh, that which is pushbacking, and therefore a figure to be demonized, and with that, to demonize those that were pushbacking. In other words, the people called Trump supporters. You'd isolated this group. And this group, as that was then, through the propaganda, um, morphed into white supremacists. So you support Trump, you're white supremacists. White supremacists, um, therefore, must be uh, censored. They must be silenced, and 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 the war on pushbackers in America began to be uh, embodied in quote Trump supporters. Trump supporters, oh yeah, they're white supremacists. You see the the process of propaganda going down down the uh, uh, through the months to get to where we are now, and then um, there had to be because Biden was the chosen one. He was the chosen one because. He, he, he doesn't know what day it is. Therefore, people in the background, through him, sign this, Joe, will you? Oh, yes, sign this. Uh, are basically deciding what the hell goes on. He, he, he doesn't know what his name is. Um, but he was going to be brought in. And I said at the time, uh, before he won, they're bringing Biden in because the woke agenda is going to go 
full-blown now. Um, so they've isolated and demonized the, the pushbackers. Now they want someone in through which they are going to throw that entire woke agenda, i.e. the cult agenda, at America. And that's exactly what happened from day one. They started closing, closing pipelines down and what, what have you to push up the oil price, which increases the price of everything. And that we're seeing that going to overdrive now. Um, but they needed a, 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 an event, something that they could use to really, really uh, focus demonization upon the pushbacker mentality while they were pushing the massive woke agenda in the Biden years. And so we had January the 6th. And when you look at that, it was the most obvious um, trap that many people, many people fell into. Uh, when you've got um, footage of the police and those in authority waving the protesters into the Capitol building, when you've got um, someone opening the door of the Capitol building, which can only open from the inside, particular door, so they can come in, um, and then immediately you get the reaction of this is uh, this guy Chuck Schumer, if he had a brain, he'd be really dangerous, um, saying that this is our Pearl Harbor. I mean, uh, what an insult to the people who experienced Pearl Harbor. So it was, um, it, well, you could call it a riot, an insurrection. It absolutely wasn't. And only one person was, um, was uh, killed by violence, um, uh, uh, by gun violence, and that was uh, Ashley Babbitt who was an unarmed uh, veteran who was shot by a moron of a um, Capitol Police officer. Uh, and, but it's been, to, you, you saw this week with the hearings, uh, where, which they put on primetime television. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. That's North Korean propaganda, that is. Um, it's, they've used this to, to uh, further demonize um, anyone who's pushing back as a white supremacist and someone who wants to uh, destroy democracy, the very democracy that they are themselves destroying. And, you know, you, you've got people like this guy, Ray uh, Epps. I'm sure you've come across him. Ray Epps is on film the night before January the 6th, telling the crowds that they uh, have to go into the Capitol building the following day. And then after Trump was finishing his speech um, in the mall on January the 6th, there's footage of Ray Epps going around telling everybody we're heading for the Capitol now. Uh, and all these people that have been arrested uh, on ridiculous charges, like trespass charges, and are some of them still in the grotesque Washington prison without trial, um, Ray Epps has been completely left alone, uh, even though the, the footage has been aired on things like the Tucker Carlson show uh, many times. Uh, the FBI won't um, investigate him. The uh, January the 6th committee won't investigate him. So to, to complete the answer to the question, central to this scenario that has led to the isolation and demonization of um, pushbackers is... The phenomena called Donald Trump, and I, therefore I don't, um, I don't trust him at all. I think that definitely answers it. And I mean, 
just the the incredible touting of the, of the vaccine to me is just the, the the nail in the coffin in that regard. I mean, but on 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 the other side, when I contemplate it, I think there was definitely a huge awakening process that came through Trump at the same time. You know, whether whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. But many people began to question all these agendas in in deeper ways because of whatever role I guess he was playing. Um, and it just seems to me as though it's becoming more and more obvious. Like everything is becoming like so like dumb. Like it's not even, there's not, there's not, there's, there's not any real production or orchestration behind what's going on. It, it seems to me as though it's getting very sloppy, so to speak. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? I mean, yeah. yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to add quickly because David, yeah. you've spoken so often about the totalitarian tiptoe, and it doesn't seem like a tiptoe anymore. Yeah. No, it's it's a sprint. But um, the um, the the point is, we've reached the point in the unfolding agenda where it can't hide itself anymore. Yeah, you know, I said a, a long time ago the time will come when this is going to hit the surface because it, it, it can't help but do so. Because if you're trying to transform a society, you can orchestrate under the radar for so long so that things appear to be random. But there comes a point where if you're actually going to physically or in your face, in the face of the population, transform their society from what they recently experienced to what it changes to, then you're going to have to do it in the public eye because that's where the changes have to take place if you're going to change society. So there was always going to come a point where they couldn't hide it anymore. So what they do then is they move to selling it, to sales pitching it. So for years I was saying they, uh, they plan to connect AI to the human brain so that AI becomes the human mind. Uh, and it was poo-pooed, and, oh, that's nonsense, that's far out, that's conspiracy, that's rubbish. Uh, but they've got so far along that road now where they can't hide it anymore, so now they're trying to sales pitch it. And they'll say, like people like Ray Kurzweil at Google, um, we, we, do, we do that and we become gods, we become godlike um, if, if we do that. So it's, it's a positive thing, and that's why people should do it and all that. Uh, and, and in every area now, uh, they've gone to um, to selling it as a good thing and a necessary thing, because what they're doing, of course, is constantly creating problems. They are creating the problems, which they are then offering the solutions to. So, uh, again, the solution becomes a good thing, even though it's not, because it's, it's um, uh, said to be reacting to a problem, which they cause, which is not a good thing. So it's a different game now. It's not a case of hiding it. It's a case of selling it. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, it's also uh, very clear that this awakening to where we're being taken is making it more and more difficult for them to take us there. They can only now do it by, by basically uh, uh, force or um, by... Um, getting uh, those that can see to be demonized by the still the majority that can't see. This is what's going on. And also, of course, 
if you want to control perception, then you have to control information, which is where we get our perceptions from. We form our perceptions from information received, whatever form that information may take, personal experience, 10 o'clock news, Facebook post, whatever. And so if you're going to um, dictate perception, you have to control information. And that's where all the censorship's coming from. So um, the awakening means that more and more people are able to see what's really happening and why things are really being done, and therefore are able to communicate that on social media and in many other ways of actually they're telling you they're doing it because of this, but this is the real reason they're doing it. Something I've been doing and people like me have been doing all these decades. Now more and more people are doing it. So they have to stop that because their narrative, whether it's COVID, human cause, global warming, whatever, makes no sense whatsoever. They cannot win an open debate with the information and the evidence. Uh, and so their whole plan is in deep, deep trouble. In fact, it's in fatal trouble if we have the free flow of information so it can be exposed. And so what they're doing now is, uh, and have been for a long time, of course, now, um, but it's getting more and more extreme. They're kicking in these phenomenal levels of censorship so that their narrative uh, is the only one that people hear. And therefore, that's, that's what unquestioning people will believe. Uh, so this, all this censorship uh, is not coming from a point of view of power and strength. It's coming from a point of weakness. It's only weak people with weak arguments or no arguments that want to censor anybody. People who, 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 have, um, who, who feel that they can justify what they're saying they don't want to censor anybody. They, they, they're confident that what they're saying will stand up to debate. Uh, so um, I don't want to censor anybody. All these people are abuse at me. I don't want to censor any of them. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because they may be wrong in many, many of the things that they say about many, many things. But this is what people forget. The right to be wrong is a foundation of freedom because once you are censoring on the basis of whether someone's right or wrong, this is misinformation and all that stuff, you are giving some authority the power to decide what's right and wrong. Now, the public should decide what they believe individually is right or wrong, not some authority. So um, if you are um, seeking to control perception, thus behavior, you have to control information so that only your version of everything is ever heard. And that's where this is all leading, to a point where no one ever hears or sees anything that isn't sanctioned by the authorities. And at the moment, you've got um, almost the, the same thing, uh, really, uh, going through parliament after parliament. Um, uh, the version in Britain going through parliament now is um, the online safety bill. It's 
got there's a Canadian version, there's an Australian version, and so on. And the online safety bill says that an authority in the British case, uh, Ofcom, the Office of Communications, which is the uh, British government's broadcast regulator, actually the British broadcast um, censor, it made rules um, on the British broadcast media in the spring of 2020 that absolutely ensured that I would never again appear on the mainstream media in Britain uh, because what I was saying was outside their rules. And uh, the uh, Ofcom organization is so fascist, so tyrannical, it was started in 2001 by Tony Blair. So that's how bad it is. And it's, this online safety bill is going to give it the power, not just to regulate broadcasters, but to regulate what is posted on the internet. And that power will not be on the basis of whether something is illegal or unlawful, but on the basis of whether Ofcom perceives it could be harmful to someone. And uh, so you post something and there is virtually nothing you could post that you couldn't make an excuse for being harmful to someone. So that's the why they've gone for harm uh, and not for lawful or unlawful. So things that you can say in the street and you can say in public become um, under this bill um, deleted from the internet on the say-so of Ofcom because it decides it could be harmful to someone. Yeah, well, you, you could call a woman a woman and it could be perceived as harmful these days. Exactly yeah. that. And so what you, um, what you hear, and you hear this from all these versions of the bill around the world, is it's to protect the children. You know, we're going to protect the children. We care about children. That's why we're having them read stories by... By, by drag queens all over the world because we care about children and all that. Uh, they couldn't give a damn about children. They're, they're, they're getting kids to have this fake vaccine with all its uh, obvious dangers. And, you know, they couldn't give a damn. And then they say, oh, it's to, it's to get the, uh, the uh, clip the power of the, of the big tech giants. No, it's not. They're censoring like crazy anyway. You're just giving them an excuse to do it even more. So this online safety bill says, if you don't take down what Ofcom, i.e. the cult, says is harmful, then you um, are going to face massive, they're massive fines, or you could even go to jail. And that is not targeting big tech, and it's not targeting uh, uh, harm to children, it's targeting the alternative media. Mm -hmm. uh, because the alternative media has been the source, and of course there are many levels of the alternative media, has been the source of information through this catastrophe we've been going through that has put the narrative in a different context for many, many people. And the alternative media has been massively influential, fundamentally, centrally influ influential in this wake-up. Because what it's done is put information before people so they can see an event 
from this angle rather than the official angle. And so what they're doing now is they're trying to delete uh, that for when they play their, their cards that are coming, um, that there's not that uh, alternative media there to put what's coming into the context that what's happened has been put into. Uh, and uh, it, uh, this is why they're, they're pushing for this World Health Organization treaty, which has been pushed back for a couple of years by the African nations, thank goodness. But they're still going to start. They're still they're not letting it go. They still want to uh, manipulate it into place, whereby the World Health Organization declares a pandemic. On what basis? Well, whatever we choose. Thank you. Okay, right. And as soon as they declare a pandemic, all the member countries have to respond to the pandemic in the way the World Health Organization tells them. So you have uh, an aspect of the United Nations, the World Health Organization, dictating the entirety of health care response worldwide. And then at the same time, you want to delete the, world, the um, alternative media that's exposing that that's going on and exposing the real reason the World Health Organization is saying respond to it in this way, the real uh, uh, reason or the real truth behind the fact there isn't a pandemic, there's just declared one. So uh, they're preparing for future plays uh, on the basis of, you know, one of the things they would have looked at is, look, okay, we didn't get everything we wanted from COVID. Um, and they didn't. They got a lot, but they didn't get everything. So why didn't we get everything? Well, this is why. Okay, so we have to deal with that. And that's what is happening now. That's what these bills are about. It's, it's amazing, um, you know, people out there clamoring for socialism, et cetera, et cetera. And what you said earlier, too, is that, you know, I'm a free speech absolutist. And so when you think about collectivism, you know, the foundations of collectivism is, you know, the people who have the most influence determine what's best for the collective. So it's like they want to just take out all these avenues where all this information is coming from. And this is a big reason why we even started this podcast is we wanted to have dialogues like this to, to just bring alternative information so people could decide. You know, we don't say we have the truth. We're here for the truth. And we want to have these conversations that are being censored. Well, it's like Socrates is supposed to have said in ancient Greece, wisdom is knowing how little we know. We, 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 we're, not, um, we're, not, we're not saying, I'm certainly not saying, uh, here is the solid gold, uh, um, unimpeachable, every I dotted, every T crossed truth. But here's another way of looking at the world based on research that you won't hear about elsewhere. So we're in pursuit of the truth. The, the, what we call the truth is, I mean, you, you, you've only got to look at the fact that um, the electromagnetic spectrum is supposed to be about 0.005% of what exists in the universe, according to mainstream science. Um, and visible light, which is the only frequency band we can see, is a smear of the 0.005%. So that tells you immediately we, <laughs> we have rather a lot more to know. So we're pursuing the truth. But it's the, it's the, 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 the truth is pursued most effectively by open free flow of information and debate. The truth is blocked, the pursuit of the truth is blocked by uh, censorship. And that's why they, that's why they, why, why do you want us to openly pursue the truth? Uh, because uh, we don't want you to know the truth. That's the simple thing. That's what, that's what censorship is all about. So it's this idea that, uh, which is, 
becoming more extreme all the time, that there is a truth, uh, and the authorities have that truth, and therefore anyone that is challenging that truth is by definition wrong, and if they're wrong, what is the point of them having freedom of speech to say something that's wrong? It's like this um, this cult operative in New Zealand, uh, Jacinda Ardern, who said uh, astonishingly, but very um, appropriately, recently, uh, basically, um, if if it if if it doesn't come from us, it's not the truth. And I, I mean, that's the basis and the foundation of what they want us to believe. Uh, so um, they have to stop the free flow of information and debate. And so we, you, people like you and this show, um, what we're doing is seeking to keep the, 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 the debate open and the, the information flowing for those that, are, that, that have the self-respect. I keep coming back to that because that's what it is. To, to go in pursuit of it. Um, and self-respect is actually the bulwark against every tyranny. It has been throughout history. It's those with self-respect that refuse to cooperate with tyranny because you've got two groups of people that allow tyranny to happen, and it's happening now. One is the group that does whatever authority tells it and believes whatever authority tells it, and another group that doesn't really believe it and doesn't want to do it, but does it because it's frightened of not doing it. They're the two groups that have allowed every tyranny in history to, to prevail. And the third group is those that can see through the lies and having done that will not cooperate with the tyranny. And that's the group that has ended every tyranny in history. Everyone, that third group. Um, and uh, we're in the same situation again. And what we need is, is more of this second group that can see that it's being lied to, can see that this stuff doesn't make sense, but is frightened of not um, doing what it's told. That More of that group need to come into the third group and stop cooperating with it. Because, you know, people say, what's the solution? So many you ask that question don't really want to know the answer. The answer they want is, this is how someone else does it for you. That, that's what mo uh, many, many people who ask the question, what's the solution? That's what they want to hear. Well, this is how someone else does it for you. Sorry, no can do. Um, the first two mentalities, unthinking acquiescence to authority and intimidated acquiescence to authority are how every tyranny manifests. That's how we got into this mess. That's why we got where we are now, is those two groups doing that. So if you want a solution, then it's not doing that anymore. It's not just uh, accepting things as truth because authority says it. History shows you they're almost certainly lying. And you don't just do it because you're frightened of not doing it. Because that th those those two mentalities lead only one way, and that's to total tyranny. Call it fascist tyranny, technocratic tyranny, uh, communist tyranny. It's always tyranny at the end of that rope. And when you have eight billion, um, pretty much now, 
being imposed upon, directed by, and uh, manipulated by a, a relative handful, which at the core of the core of the core, you'd get into one room. Well, the solution's obvious. The 8 billion stop cooperating, or great tra tracks of their 8 billion stop cooperating with the few, and it's over. It's over. It's unenforceable. How can, how can, an, how can a 90 year old uh, moronic gopher like George Soros or uh, 90 odd more like Henry Kissinger? How can, how can a moron, and he is a moron, all their front men are really morons. The real stuff is behind them, like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. Bill Gates is intelligent. What? How can these people dictate your life unless you let them? They can't. And that's the same with the, uh, the uniform, uh, the people in uniform. You know, you've got kids and grandkids. You are imposing tyranny on them for life by defending these people who are seeking to do that to your kids and grandkids. What are you doing? The answer is we stop cooperating with our own enslavement and the enslavement of others. And it's over. Yeah. It's over overnight. And so the cavalry is not coming. We are the cavalry. And therefore, um, and, and, and it's a vast 8 billion army of ca uh, cavalry. But we've got to stiffen the backbone and say, no, we're not doing it. No, no, not doing that. Not doing that. Wear a mask. No. Have the jab. No. And then we'll see where the real power is. Because these people have no power. They don't. How could a relative handful have power over 8 billion? They can't. Their power is the power the 8 billion give to them every day in the form of acquiescence. We take that power back. No, not doing that, not doing that, not doing that. We'll see where the real power lies. And it's not with morons like Swab and Gates and Kissinger and, um, and Soros. It's not with them at all. It's with us. They've just manipulated us to forget. That's why we're here. Have zero tolerance for the lie. That's exactly what this podcast is about. Um, and you know, to me, I the way I feel, the way I feel in Swiss is that we're we're on that path, and people are waking up to that to that realization. People are reclaiming their power. Um, I think, from what I sense, is that we're we're moving more so into individualism because there's people rising up all over the place that are saying, you know, obviously Babylon doesn't want me, the system doesn't want me. So what am I going to do, knowing what I know about reality? And they're deciding to reclaim more power for themselves and build lives according to what they know as the truth. Well, I mean, the more points of decision-making there are, the less power any cabal has over events. The more you centralize decision-making, the more power you have over events. So if you look at the, because uh, this, 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 this cult manipulation goes way, way back. It's just been increasing its power and increasing its power, increasing its influence by getting other people's power, um, generation after generation, century after century, to the point now where it's global. Um, but if you look at the, uh, the history uh, of, of 
human uh, human societies started out with tribes, where people in the tribe were making decisions about the tribe. Uh, and that meant there were tribes all over the world making their decisions about the tribe. So how does any central authority dictate to all those tribes? Impossible. So they then bring the tribes together, vast numbers of tribes together, to form things called nations. Now the, uh, the, those running the nation are dictating to all the former tribes that form that nation. Then they started bringing nations together, not least through the European Union, but also trading groups and, and, and uh, other blocs, uh, to the point where a few bureaucrats in Brussels, unelected, are deciding what happens to the lives in fine detail of people all over Europe. And why they want to go is, and we're only one stage away from it now, is to, uh, this is the Great Reset, um, one aspect of it, is to a world government which would dictate to all the former um, countries, all the former tribes, and to all the um, European Union type uh, gatherings of nations, you've got the BRICS gathering uh, um, group, etc. They would be dictating to all of them, um, and so you have a few people then at the centre of this world government that weren't wouldn't be elected. There'd be technocrats, there'd be bureaucrats and engineers and uh, you know, people like that, and uh, health people and all this stuff. Um, that would be dictating policy. This is this is why you've got the World Health Organization seeking this treaty in which technocrats and bureaucrats would dictate world uh, um, health policy all over the world. Uh, it's this movement towards this centralized um, world government, unelected world government. So a handful of people then would officially be running the world. Uh, but even then, they wouldn't be running it. The people behind them would be running it. They'd just be doing it on their behalf. So that, that's the process. And what is that process? What is globalization? Globalization is the name given to this very process I'm describing of the centralization of power in every area of our lives. And with every step towards centralization of power, you are handing power over more and more people to fewer and fewer people. So now it's, it's really a, a small number that are dictating uh, the policy of uh, the world in general. I mean, you look at the World Economic Forum, it's a private organization. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, got, it's got corruption and, and, and satanic stamped on its forehead. And yet all these people from these different countries in politics and all these different areas, finance, corporations, they all come along to be told what the, what the agenda is. Um, so, you know, you can you can look for solutions, or you can do what really changes anything, and that is remove the cause of the problem. And I've just described a massive cause of the problem, and that is the constant centralisation of power, which is giving more and more power to fewer and fewer people over more and more. So, if you want to remove the cause of the problem, you've got to go the other way. So, let's start with the sovereignty of the individual. Well, okay. Uh, how are you going to control 8 billion sovereigns? Well, you're not, are you? <laughs> so there you go. And that is, I have a simple philosophy on life. Do what you like so long as you don't impose it on anyone else. 
that that's my philosophy on that. Uh, and people say, well, what if people did that? And people did that. Well, but that's imposing their will on other people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying do what you like so long as you don't impose it on anyone else. And if you break that philosophy down, it almost you don't almost don't need laws anymore if you stick to it. Because uh, if you um, if you're in a situation, for instance, where um, there put a real simple situation, you've got a, 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 like a, a group of houses, like an estate, and a, a group of people want to put a rave on, or whatever they call them these days, and that rave is going to create lots of noise and all that stuff, and, and these people in the houses they don't want it. So in the world that we have today, um, one of those two is going to be a loser. You're either not going to have it or you're going to have to suffer it. But in the world of do what you like so long as you don't impose it on anyone else, a, a solution would be found whereby you could have your rave somewhere which doesn't affect anyone else. So th there is a um, there is a an encouragement that people do what they choose, but in a way that doesn't affect others in a negative way. Uh, and, and so you can have individuality without the need for collective imposition when people have reached a level of consciousness where they are um, not only respecting of their own right, to do what they want, but they're respective and respecting of others' rights not to be affected by what they want. And it's a, it's a self-maintaining balance of behavior um, where people have the freedom to express themselves but don't use it to, to impose their will on other people. What we have... Um, at the moment, is the very opposite of that. We have not even the majority. We have the minority of woke activists, and the whole woke mentality is cult creation, imposing their will on the enormous majority. That's what we have. Uh, and that's the very opposite of individual sovereignty. So an individual sovereign will say, this is my opinion. And other individual sovereigns will say, well, yeah, and I agree with that. Or they'll say, well, I don't agree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. And, I, and I'm going to show that actually you're wrong because you've got this wrong, you've got that wrong, and I'm going to show you why with the evidence. That's what sovereign people do. And that's the free flow of information. That's the free flow of opinion. That's how everyone continues to, to learn and expand their understanding because um, no one knows everything. Um, but what we've got now is the opposite of that, the very opposite of that, because the, the whole system is an inversion of what should be, uh, whereby the few are dictating to everyone else what opinion they must have. Uh, and so if people say, what's the solution? Uh, to, to put it in a real simple way, reverse everything that's happening. Reverse where the power is reverse the censorship, reverse all of it, and we'll get back to freedom. Because what these things have all been designed to do is to take freedom away. So if you take them away, then freedom must return. I like it. 
Um, it's very reminiscent of, I guess, what Ayn Rand, rational self-interest, you know, and, and the true rational self-interest is not at the sacrifice of anyone else whatsoever, you know, um, begins with that individual as, as, as we, as we've mentioned a few times now, having garnered the proper self-respect to actually make those decisions for themselves. Um, so yeah. I tend, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. yeah one and the, and the individual... Oh, go ahead. So one of the things they're doing to delete self-respect um, is, and, and the COVID era was a phenomenal example of that, is they are appointing, uh, I mean, there's always been morons in positions of authority. We know that. There were when I was a kid. But the scale of them now is, is, is off the Richter scale, really. Uh, and that, so the morons everywhere. I mean, you look at the Biden administration. There's basically a moron in every position of, of um Secretary of uh, State, Secretary of Defense, um, the uh, the Energy Department, Transportation with Buttigieg. Uh, uh, there's a moron running everything um, because morons are compliant. Well, this is what they want in positions of official power. They want compliant morons because then what the people in the shadows say, the compliant morons will comply to. Um, but when you see like. Daniel Andrews in um, in Victoria in Australia, Mora, and these um, medical officers. What's the name? Kerry Chant Kerry in Chant. New South Wales. I mean, Bro. she gives more. She gives morons a bad name. That's where I am. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, uh, people must ask what, what they were doing, doing what she says. I mean, she's a moron. What are you doing? Just uh, complying with it. But anyway, um, the, um, the the one of the big reasons is that they've they've got morons. To tell that you can see a morons, they want you to see the morons, telling you to do moronic things, like put a mask on at the door of a restaurant, walk to your table and take it off. You know, I mean, I've seen people do that over and over again. I just, I just sit there with a bloody head shake. Uh, but so, if they can get you to do moronic things because morons tell you, they've got your self-respect. That's what they're after. That's They've exactly got right. self-respect. Yeah. Um, and uh, once they've got your self-respect, there's nothing left but submission. That's a, self-respect is the bulwark against submission. So they're, they're, they're going for it all the time. And, and, and that's why you know, we should not compromise with these people. I decided when this started in um, 2020, I was not going to uh, comply with any of it. Never have. Uh, you know, I, I was... Um, I could have gone to France to, to, to take part in a film uh, next week. And um, there's a way you can't get into France unless you um, uh, have a test uh, uh, for COVID. And uh, I was told about a, a, a way by what, whereby you can get around that by, by, by faking the test. Because the, the, the test is about control. It's not about health. And I said, no, I won't do it. I won't even fake around them. I won't do it. I'm not going to comply with their with their nonsense, even even in a fakery way. I will not do it. Uh, so I've not I've not done any of it, none of it, and I never will. I'll die first. Um, that's my line in the sand. I can understand what other people do when they go, I've got a job, mate. I've got a kids to feed and all that stuff. I, I understand that, but I made that decision. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to um, acquiesce to any of it, none of it, and I never have. And it's not, it's not affecting my life in any way. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, you just don't do it. You know? yeah. 
if people don't like it, well, they can do the other thing, but I'm not doing it. Yeah, well, I would say it's improved your life in a, in a certain way too. Like you mentioned earlier about this whole this whole charade that's happened where people who were never aware of the WEF, um, Bill Gates, all these people, but also David Icke. You know, I feel, like, I feel like over the last couple of years, people also are more aware of what you've been doing over the last 30 years. So like, I just want to like give kudos to you because you've been an inspiration uh, to a lot of people out there on the truth seeking journey and the truth speaking journey. So I just want to honor you for that and I appreciate you. Well, that's very kind. Uh, and that's, that's, that's actually a very good point. You know, uh, in, um, in the first week of April, 2020, uh, I did an interview, which got a phenomenal uh, yeah. audience um, about the COVID thing in which I said there was no COVID. Uh, and it was just a rediagnosis um, scam that the PCR test was not testing for the virus and therefore all the cases were nonsense. And um, how can you have um, uh, anyone who dies after testing with a test uh, that's not testing for the virus uh, within 28 days have COVID-19 on the death certificate and uh, all these things. And of course, it was uh, you could almost hear the countdown once I, I did that to being removed from everywhere on the internet, the mainstream internet, Facebook and Twitter and the um, YouTube. YouTube, all of it, all gone. But um, the the interest in my work has, uh, has absolutely exploded. And the, you know, the, the, where there's a will, there's a way. The worst thing you can do when, when people target you like that is go into victim mode for me. Um, oh, you know, I'm a martyr. Well, I don't want to be a bloody martyr. Mart mart martyrs usually um, usually are glorious failures. I don't intend to be a glorious failure. Thank you very much. Uh, so you 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 look for other ways around it because what you what you know, instead of being a victim, what you say to yourself is, well, uh, I'm a problem to them then because uh, they're they're censoring me because they're desperate for people not to hear what I'm saying. So I mean, that's a good thing. They're doing that from a point of weakness. They've got all these corporations. They've got all these Silicon Valleys. They've got all the banking system. They've got all the corporations. They've got all the governments. And they're frightened of a bloke on the Isle of Wight. <laughs> so to the point they have to censor him from everything. So that's telling you, again, that's telling you where the power is. And um, I don't know, uh, there are many, many things going on uh, of a what would be called a paranormal uh, uh, phenomena that that actually are working towards helping humanity. They really are, and uh, so these things get get out despite the efforts to to shut them down. And there are going to be a lot more efforts now, and in, in the coming months, in uh, next year or so, there's going to be tremendous efforts to shut us down. We just must not um, we must not bow to it. And you know, there's that great phrase: "Necessity is the mother of invention." And uh, what you've seen with the censorship is the emergence of other platforms and social media platforms and, and, and video platforms. Uh, and now they're through the online safety bill, they're trying to target them. But, you know, um, you hum it, son, I'll play it was a, a line from a, an old advertisement on British television. Well, you hum it, cult, and we'll play it uh, and we'll get around it um, because we have to. The, the alternative is unthinkable. Mic drop right there. David, so much respect, huge respect for everything that you've done and stood for the past 30 years. 
I mean, uh, it's it's just it's just incredible to think about how long you've actually been putting this information out there and been up against this adversity. And just through this conversation, I mean, the the level of self-esteem um, is just exuberating off you, how much self-respect you have for yourself in order to continue to walk that path. Um, yeah, I just want to honor you as well in that moment, for sure. We have a final question, which we ask all our guests, if you don't mind. No. If you had the entire world at your disposal, the entire so active social media world could hear a single message from David Icke, what would that message be? You are not your labels. You are not a man, a woman, something in between. You're not a race. You're not a political persuasion. Um, you're not a sexuality. They are experiences, brief experiences, that the real you is having, but have forgotten what the real you is. And that is you are a unique expression of infinite awareness of all that is, has been, and ever can be, of all possibility, of all potential waiting to manifest. And what manifests it? your perception of self, your self-identity. Self-identify with the labels of human and you self-identify with limitation. Self-identify with being all that is, has been, and ever can be, and you self-identify with infinity. The difference in the life you will then lead is indescribable. The chasm is so vast. Incredible. David, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here for the truth. We appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time. Take care. Real pleasure. Thank you, mate. Bye. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with